I'm Casey Cook with Casey Cook Farms in Jordanton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It is always great to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, talks continue on the Mexican GMO corn ban. Mexico did indicate they may be willing to make some amendments to that a few months ago, so the talks are ongoing and the hope is that they'll eventually come to their senses. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. High feed costs are putting pressure on Texas High Plains dairies. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The 126th Annual Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo is going strong in Cowtown. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have a report on what's coming up in the next few days at the show on Texas Ag Today. Water restrictions for a lot of communities are surprising to some folks, but not to farmers and ranchers. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Dialogue continues between the U.S. and Mexico on their intention to ban imports of genetically modified corn and other products by this time next year. Talks have been ongoing since last November when Mexico indicated they are open to modifying their stance. The latest meeting a few days ago didn't produce any resolution to the situation, but the U.S. corn industry is standing by the safety of our corn, according to corn farmer Tom Haig, president of the National Corn Growers Association. Our GMO product, it's a safe product that we have. What they want to do is take all the way our corn of GMO, of yellow corn and white corn, and have it as a non-GMO. Well, first of all, that means that we got to do different tillage practices. we got insects that we have to more worry about. It's going to cost more that farmer and all that. And then there's also the agreement that if you grow so much, we got to segregate that on our farms so make sure we don't commingle that. Haig says he's not sure how many American corn growers would be willing to switch to a non-GMO product, but one thing is for sure, Mexican families will have to pay a lot more to eat. Thousands of illegal immigrants continue to cross the Texas border each week, many of them coming across Texas farms and ranches, putting those families at risk. It's so sad to see producers in South Texas and 
West Texas that are afraid to go to their property because they know that there's so many illegal crossings happening and they're, they're scared for their own safety. This is not the America that any of us want to live in. That's Texas Congressman August Fluger. He says he's serving on the House Homeland Security Committee to help put a stop to that. And when you look at the two and a half million people that crossed illegally into this country, 98 of them matching to the terror watch list, it's unacceptable. The amount of fentanyl deaths, the things that we've seen for trafficking, these things are not acceptable. Uh, I will be leading the charge to make sure that we hold the administration accountable, that we stop um, the, uh, the surge, the massive surge that is impacting farmers and ranchers throughout the state of Texas uh, negatively every day. Fluger spoke at last week's American Sheep Industry Convention in Fort Worth. Several cattle groups have filed a notice of intent to sue the Department of the Interior and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service over the listing of the lesser prairie chicken under the Endangered Species Act. Those groups include the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, the Texas Cattle Feeders Association, the Kansas Livestock Association, Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association, and the New Mexico Cattle Growers Association. The Permian Basin Petroleum Association is also joining the suit. High feed costs are putting pressure on Texas High Plains dairies. James Hunt says that means margins are getting tight. The current market situation for dairies in the Texas High Plains is not all that comfortable. James Hancock, owner and manager of Prairie View Dairy in Muleshoe, believes most dairies in our area are able to make profits at the present time, but it's becoming harder. We for ourselves are okay as long as the milk price stays about where it is. If it drops much lower, we're going to start hurting. And then you have to talk to your banks and your credit lines and all that other stuff to see how long you can hold out to hope that the pricing changes. So looking at the feed prices just for the summer for the corn harvester, over where they were from last year, um, wheat harvest is up over from where it was last year price-wise. Hay is higher. Just about everything in the feed side is climbing, whereas milk is holding steady at the moment. So looking towards the future, we're having to make some decisions on where do we let go of so that we can keep ourselves afloat. And it's coming down to some rather serious discussion and decision on what feedstuffs can we keep versus not. So a tough situation right now. But looking toward the not-too-distant future, Hancock says dairy farmers in his area should get a boost economically from the Laprino cheese plant currently being built in Lubbock and expected to begin full operations in about two years. That will add quite a bit of milk use in the area. So we'll see lots of the milk instead of being shipped down towards Dallas or towards the southeast. It'll stick around here a little bit more. That means that we'll save quite a bit of money in shipping. Every mile that the milk has to travel, the farmer has to pay. So anytime we ship it long distances, we do actually lose a little bit out of our milk check if the place we're shipping it to isn't paying a high enough cost. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It is stock show season here in Texas. Tom Nicoletti checks in with the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. The 126th annual Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo is more than halfway through its run here in 2023. Spokesman Matt Brockman is my guest from the Stock Show grounds. Matt events continue uh, there through February the 4th, so still a lot to see and do uh, for attendees. At this point, what type of attendance have you witnessed so far? 
Well, we've been blessed with some great weather other than some rain, which was well needed. We're glad to see people in the surrounding areas get an inch or more of rain. With the great weather we've had this year, our attendance is nipping right at a half a million right at this point, and we've got two big weekends coming up ahead of us. So looking forward to maybe eclipsing the 1.3 million guest mark. Now, Matt, livestock shows are certainly a big draw. What's coming up for uh, youngsters as they compete for important scholarship awards? Well, we've got open cattle shows that will be here this coming weekend. Hereford, Angus, Charley, many of the British and European open cattle breeds, as well as open swine showing this weekend as well. But then come next Tuesday and Wednesday, junior steers and junior barrows will invade the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo Grounds, and that will take us up to our last weekend and our junior sale of champions. A little over 3,700 steers entered, 2,100 barrows entered, so this place will be jam-packed with steers and barrows next week after those open cattle move out on Monday. It's going to be a strong finish. Our junior sale of champions last year eclipsed the $6 million mark. A lot of exciting times right around the corner here at the Fort Worth Stock Show. That is Matt Brockman. He is communications manager for the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Water availability is a growing issue across Texas, but Barry Mahler tells us water restrictions are no surprise to Texas farmers and ranchers. As more cities and communities across West Texas announce water restrictions due to the lingering drought, there is surprise among some folks saying things like, well, I didn't realize it had gotten that bad. But there are a couple of groups who have known it all along, and that would be wheat farmers and cattle producers. Now, we've been blessed with some showers the last couple of months, enough in most areas of the rolling plains to get wheat up to a stand, but nowhere near enough to get the crop up and growing well before winter dormancy sets in. And the ranchers, they're finding their stock ponds as empty as their haylots due to the drought. The wheat crop was planted late, and being a fall-planted crop, timing is everything. With every day that goes by. The ground gets cooler, the days get shorter, and that's why most wheat producers want to have the crop planted and up to a good stand by Thanksgiving. In fact, in a normal fall, it's not unusual to have wheat pasture cattle turned out on green, thriving wheat forage by Thanksgiving. Didn't happen this year. A lot of the wheat here on the rolling plains that was planted before the end of November was dusted in. I'm talking about seed placed in dry ground to sprout and emerge when the next rain comes. Some one to two inch rain fell ahead of a cold front, got the dusted in wheat going near the 1st of December, and the push started to get the rest of the crop seeded by the December 15th crop insurance deadline. So we wind up with a lot of acres of very small wheat that were hit hard by the zero and below dry cold Christmas wheat. And even though there is just a small amount of winter kill out there, a bunch of the crop had leaves burned by the cold, uh, setting a late crop even further back than it was. A good bit of fertilizer was applied that has not been rained in yet, and even though a lot of farmers used an additive in their nitrogen to stabilize it, there is still loss of content every day that it lays on the ground without being rained into the soil. Cattle numbers are lower due to the lack of summer-grown forage. Hay is short and expensive, all due to the drought, and now many stock ponds are either dry or unusable due to low-quality water because of low levels. So let's look at the good news. The wheat market is still strong with cash wheat selling in the $8 range, and the cattle market is better, and the folks who forecast the weather say there is a good chance to transition to wetter weather here by spring 
and we're all hoping they are correct. Reporting from North Central Texas, I'm Barry Mahler for Texas Ag Today. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has decided not to pursue a proposed rule change that would eliminate or change the light goose conservation order in Texas. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And lots of older cats have chronic arthritis. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Lots of older cats have chronic arthritis, but Dr. Bob Judd says there unfortunately aren't many options available for pain control. We typically use a class of drugs called non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs in multiple species to control arthritis pain. These drugs are commonly used in horses and dogs with few side effects, although side effects are possible. However, cats are a different story. Historically, we have always been concerned about using NSAIDs in cats due to the concern of toxicity as cats were believed to be more sensitive to NSAIDs. Also, NSAIDs decrease blood flow to the kidneys, and since lots of cats that need pain medication due to arthritis are older and also may have kidney disease, There are two non-steroidal anti-inflammatory pain injections and one tablet approved for cats, but none of these are approved long-term as would be needed in cats with arthritis. A study published in the Journal of Vet Internal Medicine looked at 449 cats treated with the NSAID Onciar for 4 to 12 weeks. Onciar is only approved for use in cats for three days. Also, 126 cats with stage 2 kidney disease were administered Onciar and results analyzed. Cats were examined for adverse events and blood work abnormalities. The only lab abnormality was an increase in creatinine in the group taking Onciar, and creatinine is a value that increases with kidney disease. However, there were no clinical signs associated with the use of Onciar up to 12 weeks, and there were no significant effects on cats that already had kidney disease. It does indicate that cats given the inset Onciar should be monitored routinely, but tolerability of the drug was good in cats. The authors concluded that the use of NSAIDs for pain in cats is generally safe even if used for three months. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has decided not to pursue a rule change to the light goose conservation order. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has temporarily withdrawn a proposal that would close the light goose conservation order in Texas. On Wednesday, Sean Oldenberger, TPWD's Small Game Program Director, explained the decision to the Parks and Wildlife Commission. As you recall from the November Commission meeting, we spent some time discussing the light goose conservation order that was established as a management tool to reduce the population of light geese, and that's Snow and Ross's geese, in the mid-continent population. As a reminder, this is not an established hunting season. 
the established management tool uh, did not reduce the population of light geese. Since it is uh, a management tool, that's why there's different regulations with method of take and hunting hours, uh, basically from the conservation order to the established regular season. After additional discussions with staff and input from our constituents, we have decided to delay any staff recommendations on the conservation order. Basically, there are some other options that warrant further discussion at both our technical and advisory committees. We would like to have those discussions regarding these options before staff bring any potential recommendations forward to the commission. Additionally, we we would like to develop education materials and presentations to inform our constituents' reasoning for potentially looking at changes or elimination of this management tool. The order was implemented in the 1980s when there were concerns that an increasing population of light geese in staging and breeding areas in Manitoba, Canada, were going to cause an ecological collapse there. At the time, officials thought if they could improve hunter access to the geese, they could decrease light geese populations. The order did not reduce adult light goose survival, which was its intent. Oldenberger said at a previous commission meeting that scientists also probably underestimated the carrying capacity of that area that caused the concerns in the 80s. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded lower for much of the day on Thursday as traders were watching the cash cattle market and corn was trading higher. February live cattle down 87 cents to 156.72. April live cattle down $1.02 to 160.52. June live cattle down 82 cents to 157.37. January feeder cattle rose 17 cents Thursday to 179.57. March feeder cattle down 90 cents to 182.85. April feeder cattle down $1.35 to 187. Boxed beef was mixed. Choice up 23 cents to 268.51. Select down 15 cents to 251.65. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let's head up to the big country. Talk to Henry Pickett from Abilene Livestock. They sell them every Tuesday. Henry, how was this Tuesday's sale? Well, considering the weather, it was pretty good. It was a little lighter run than normal, but we had a little bit of moisture out of the deal. We ended up with, uh, oh, probably three quarters of an inch of moisture accumulation of the little bit of snow flurries we had and the rain. But uh, we had uh, 547 total cattle with 172 cows. Market was steady. We had a nice set of dried out light yearlings. You know, in the four weights, they were bringing up there still like last week, 222 to 25. The heifer mates were bringing $2. The 
big increase in price. They put quite a bit of money on these Packer cows and bulls. We had some 88 cent Packer cows and a dollar ten, dollar twelve Packer bulls. So it was pretty good considering the weather and not a whole lot of interest with the cattle because a lot of our cattle go north. Right now you had some decent moisture. What's that going to do to the folks that want to bring cattle to town or buy cattle next week? Well, I think it'll slow them down a little bit, but I don't think it was enough this type of year, this time of year to really help immediately. It'll probably help this uh, struggling wheat pasture quite a bit, but we're going to need some uh, sunshine and some follow-up moisture. Well, you've got another little chance of rain coming, I think, Monday night into Tuesday, but the temperatures aren't going to be bad. So we'll uh, pray for some more moisture. Good sale next week. Great buyer attendance. Best price possible. We'll be at Abilene Livestock. Henry Pickett, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Here at the barn, we can be reached at 325-673-7865, or my cell number is 940-733-8208. Neighbor looks to me like that's it for our Livestock Market Auction Report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Lean hogs traded higher Thursday thanks to strong export sales and pork cutout values trending higher. February lean hogs up 22 cents to 77.02. April lean hogs up $1.67 to 87 even. January class 3 milk rose a nickel to 1948 100 weight. February class 3 milk up 12 cents to 18.33. We saw double digit gains in the cotton market on Thursday following a positive weekly export sales report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. March cotton up 84 points to 87.50. May cotton up 78 points to 88.02. December cotton up 39 points to 85.92. March corn up seven and three quarters to six eighty two and a half. May corn up six and three quarters to six eighty. September corn up two and a half to six oh seven. March hard red wheat rose twenty one and a half Thursday to eight sixty four and three quarters. May hard red wheat up nineteen and a half to eight fifty seven and a half. July hard red wheat up seventeen and three quarters to eight forty eight and three quarters. February natural gas fell 17 cents Thursday to 289. March natural gas down 9 cents to 282. Crude oil rose over a dollar Thursday on news that China is reopening its economy as COVID cases there continue to decline. March crude oil up a dollar six to 81.21. April crude oil up a dollar three to 81.47. The Dow rose 106 points Thursday to 33,850. The S&P 500 up 28 points to 4,044. The Nasdaq up 140 points to 11,453. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domal, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.